0: The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Today FM. Sunday Times sports writer Michael Foley is with us. Michael, tell us about this new research that has been done about drinking and particularly gambling trends amongst male and female inter-county Gaelic games players.
1: Hi, Matt. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this data came out just in the last few weeks. Um, it was part of a master's dissertation done for UL by uh, Dr. Kieran Murray. Uh, who's a consultant rheumatologist, and Dr. Colin Murphy, who would be would have been the Cork hurling doctor, the Cork senior hurling team doctor. Uh, and they were looking into research done by the GPA back in April 2019. Uh, it was part of an overall survey, but they were looking specifically at alcohol and gambling behaviour among inter-county players. So of that survey, under just under 700 players uh, would have responded to questions about alcohol and gambling. And what had what transpired was, that the rate, the potential rate, at least for problem gambling among in- inter-county players, was about six times uh, the norm. So, in in general, in the general population, uh, gamblers who who just just regular people uh, who who will be gambling about 0.8% of that population will be classed as problem gamblers. But when you look at the inter-county cohorts, as you say, male and female. Uh, Based on this survey, that number spikes up to four point eight percent, which in of itself is a, is a it's a pretty alarming it's a pretty alarming rise.
0: And was there any explanation given as to why these people, male and female, decide uh, to become gamblers and then develop an addiction?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, the interesting thing actually is just, just even on the male and female aspect of the of those who would have who would have kind of identified or would have been identified as problem gamblers, they were all male. In 2019 whether that would be the case if you did the survey no i'm not so sure but anyway um yeah like in in terms of why the soft signs i suppose of of compulsive gambling just again for for the average person would include things like person with high energy levels high expectations of winning when they're gambling they'd be intensely competitive they'd have enormous kind of levels of of just natural optimism Um, You could apply all those to elite athletes, you know, and I mean, you know, we're talking here about obviously we're talking about inter-county Gaelic Games players. But, you know, these are these are things that can apply across the board in elite sports. So it's just that inter-county players would would also share those those traits, which I suppose would 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 make them, you know, innately more prone to problem gambling. The other aspect as well is just the lifestyle of an inter-county player. Um, you know, it's you know, it's quite a limited it's quite a limited life for some of them in terms of looking after their socializing, what they're eating, what they where, where they can and can't go uh, during during the season. Um, whereas, you know, as we know, gambling now is something that you can do. It's, it's, it's invisible. You can do it on your phone. You can do it quietly yourself. Um, it's not a case of having to get in your car or go down, go downtown and go into a betting shop. You can do it at home uh, sitting on the couch. Uh, and so, you know, again, it's an option for people who maybe are just kind of sp- basically stuck at home, not doing anything.
0: Professor Colin O'Garas with his head of addiction services at St John of God's Hospital and also clinical professor of psychiatry at UCD, just picking up on something Michael said there, could it be that it's the competitive nature of elite level sports people that they think they can beat the odds and that what they may do in taking chances? on a sporting pitch is something that they do then in life in bookies as well.
2: Yes, indeed, Matt. The literature certainly supports that. And if you look at uh, the experience of, say, premiership footballers as well and the um, analysis of why um, top elite sports people are more prone to gambling, there's two factors to it. One is the fact that they um, can do very little else. Drugs and alcohol are not um, attractive to uh, serious professional people and um, particularly if you're on a very harsh training scheme the last thing you want to do is to compromise that with um, drugs or alcohol and of course there's the testing regime as well. And then secondly the personality factors have been looked at from a psychological perspective and. There's this phrase that, the, you know, the house always wins in gambling, and we see a number of cognitive distortions in gambling, in, in you know, uh, serious gamblers, uh, problem gamblers compared to controls. The, we know there's risk processing. We know this from uh, all kinds of studies, including uh, functional MRI studies, genetic studies of the brain. Um, and we know that in particular dopamine-rich areas in the brain, that there's dysfunction there. And the dysfunction is that these individuals are not able to process risk like uh, compared to controls. And this is why gambling addiction is a medical illness as opposed to what their unconscious bias and stereotypes would say, that it's, you know, a case of pulling your socks up. So really, it's elite people have, um, you could almost say that they have differing levels compared to the general population in terms of their confidence and their ability to stay in a particular situation, the mental toughness to stay in a particular situation, all of the things that go with elite sport um uh, you know and 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 players winning out in very tough situations, the same thing can be applied in a pathological way to gambling and that's and that's borne out in the literature
0: no there's also maybe this is tangential and is not as important as the implications for individuals of addiction, but is there not also a threat to the integrity of sports and that if players are gambling on events that they're participating in, that it can then malignly influence the outcome of particular games and that players can do things on the pitch to win or lose bets?
2: Well, without a doubt, but I think there's been moves across various sporting bodies to prevent that happening. And really you can't, you know, you cannot have a situation where people are betting on a particular out- outcome of their own um, particular match because of all the adverse consequences. And I think that's been borne out. Because
0: you see an instance, for example, in English football at present where Ivan Tony, the Brentford striker, is under investigation for gambling on literally hundreds of games, even though the rules are to prevent him from doing so.
2: Yeah, and not only in soccer, there are many examples across many different sports, but what we have effectively have had over the past 10 years is what's called the gamblification of sport. We've had kids, you know, the current people who are adults who are playing sport, 10 years ago, they were kids sitting down, being bombarded with hundreds. Ofcom in the UK will show that hundreds of ads came true on a daily basis with celebrity endorsement very very high celebrity up to Jose Mourinho included huge shirt sponsors and then static and dynamic advertising within stadiums so effectively sport was hijacked and taken over so um,
0: I'm sorry a lot of the current generation of GEA players would have grown up watching all of that on television because they'd be watching more than just Gaelic games they'd be watching sports of all
2: kinds Precisely because you know You know, if if, if you're enthusiastic about one sport, you're likely to to be enthusiastic about others. And gambling has infected all kinds of sports across the board. And, you know, it it is no surprise on one level that we are now seeing the effects of that. We can't expect now that after 10 years, a decade, of this gamblification that we're not going to have uh, an impact that has been borne out in this study.
0: In fairness, Michael Foley, to the GAA it has not taken gambling sponsorship and has been very strong in a way that other sporting organisations perhaps haven't. But what is it doing to assist its players who do fall into this uh, condition if it is the 4.8% of elite players as suggested by this survey?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, look, the GA GPA have a, a whole suite of support services there and that would incorporate... Uh, treatment for compulsive gambling. There would be alcohol, obviously, as well. Mental health. All of those. All of those other things. Um, so that's all there. I mean, there has been a rule in since 2018 that it's it's against the rules DJ, to bet on uh, on a match involving your own team. It's interesting actually because in in this survey. It suggests that 19% of the respondents didn't realise that that was the case. Now, in fairness to the 19%, uh, this research was done in 2019, so there was only a year in the difference uh, in terms of when that rule came in. But I mean, you know, in fairness to GA, like you know, we're talking about inter-county players here. At least, they're, at, at least this research was done by the GPA at the time. You know, I mean, I think there's a I think there's a job of work here to be done. Uh, by other sports as well. I mean, the wider issue here is elite athletes. You know, we're talking about elite Gaelic games athletes, but this would equally, I would imagine, would apply across the board if it was tested uh, in in other sports. Um, The idea you'd love, like you would love to see some kind of joined up work. Uh, up-to-date, joined-up work to see what is the situation across the sports just to see what, what, what yeah, the levels Michael, are like now you know?
0: Is it more of a greater societal issue as Colin has just outlined to us in that we have just become bombarded by the idea that sport in the last decade is all about gambling and the outcomes are things happening within the sports rather than just enjoying the sport but- for what it is
1: absolutely no question about it no question about it i mean that i'm just making the point that it would be interesting to see from a sporting perspective how 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 it works across across the codes but you're right like i mean there's look it's a societal issue there's there is there's responsibilities and obligations on everybody here no above all the government because i mean we've had gambling legislation sitting there for a long long time now waiting to be enacted um that would actually protect the vulnerable um you also have you know you know, there's it's just I think the media has an enormous role. I think the normalizing of talking about odds when we're talking when, when there are sports conversations had, but it's on radio, television, anywhere uh, in print. Um, the normalisation that's occurred around just using betting as as, as a way of, of of illustrating a point or whatever. I think you know there's stuff like that we can look at. I think I think media organisations can look. No more than the GA has looked and stopped taking taking uh, okay. revenue from from betting firms. I think that's something that that media organisations also. It's it's an enormous societal issue that everybody has a part to play in.
0: Michael Foley of the Sunday Times, Professor Colin O'Gara. Thank you both for being with us.
1: The last word with Matt Cooper, weekdays from four thirty.